the Bavada at Odds podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm joined by the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow, as we break down the latest odds in all the major sports. NFL week to week as the playoffs are upon us, we'll break down the latest odds plus the futures. It's the Bavada at Odds podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. Especially Alex, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, yes, it was a super, super wild card weekend. Looked like it was going to the dogs. It did all all, all day Saturday. It's a little bit on Sunday too. Bring in Alex right now. I know he he's got a lot to say about his picks, and uh, we'll we'll talk about those and some other things. Coaching jobs, obviously. We've got the divisional round coming up. Alex, what's up, man? How did how did you survive the weekend? One and five, Lou. The the only team that I got right was the Baltimore Ravens uh, against the Tennessee Titans. Should have listened to you. Should have went with the dogs instead of the favorites. Well, rookie mistake, as they say. I'm not a betting man. I should never be allowed to go to Las Vegas and, and bet on football games. It's just not my forte. And once again, that was a lesson learned, but we'll continue making the picks in the divisional round. Hopefully, I've I've learned my lesson. I've been in the basement. Not sleeping, not eating, uh, you know, just locked myself in there and uh, crunched up the numbers. And hopefully I've, I've come up with the winning formula for this week. Well, we are not quitters on this show. It doesn't matter. We are undeterred. Now, needless to say, I think uh, my picks were foreign too. But that's that's immaterial. We are not quitters. We forge on. Yeah, I mean, the only, the only favorite that covered, and that was kind of a... A weird deal at the end of that one was uh, the Saints, minus 10. I guess it kind of went the way I expected. I mean, the Bears really weren't able to score. And the one chance they had, you know, they they dial up the right play. You know, the the pitch reversed. Trubisky gets it back. Wide receiver wide open in the end zone. (laughs) And they were the Bears. It went right through his hands. And that was probably their best chance. But... uh, yeah, that was that was kind of an ugly game, slime and all. Um, here, uh, I guess if you have children, you may have watched that game on Nickelodeon where uh, Nate Burleson was on the call with, uh, I think it was Noah Eagle, son of Ian Eagle. But um, that was just a whole different uh, dynamic to that game. But that little bit of an aside there. But as far as the, the Bears-Saints go, I mean... I mean, obviously you picked the Bears, but did you think it was going to turn out any differently after watching it? Speaking of the teams that are still in here, according to Bovada Sportsbook, the the Super Bowl odds are out, and uh, Kansas City is plus 200, and the Green Bay Packers are plus 375. So both teams are number one seeds, and they are currently the Super Bowl favorites. As far as the Bears, I mean, if, if Wims catches that ball... I think the game has a different tune. And then the Bears intercepted, right? They came up with that interception. The defensive lineman came up with it. Uh, Drew Brees threw that unfortunate pick. If they would have scored a touchdown there instead of settling for the field goal, 
that would have been different. So it's just a lot of missed opportunities for the Bears. But all I can say is I was right. The Chicago Bears played really good defense. And all they had to do was kind of just make a quarterback switch or something like that at halftime. I'm not saying it's all in Trubisky. But the thing is, the offense had no life, no spark. I thought at least by the Bears forcing a couple of turnovers, they would be able to set up more chances for the offense and and get some points out there i realized that they weren't going to be in that in that shootout right the bears weren't going to score 30 but i knew they would hold the saints to about 20 which they did well trubisky let me down and the entire offense let me down and and matt Nagy let me down and the news coming out is that the Bears are going to keep Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. Doesn't that sound a little bit wacky? Wow. No. I mean, I know we were talking about coaching jobs last week, and uh, we talked about all the openings, and then I you know, kind of mentioned, you know, Philadelphia and Chicago still hanging out there. Uh, Chicago still had a game to play, but I think uh, Jeffrey Lurie was going to have his meeting with Doug Peterson. Yeah, it is. I don't – I mean, so are they just leaving this all on the – on Trubisky, it's, it, it's him. It's not the coaching. It's not the the GM. But they're the ones that kind of, they picked the guy and moved up to pick the guy. I don't know. I mean, and the, one of the plays that was so Mitch Trubisky. What was it? Fourth and four. They're on the plus forty, and they Bears go for it, and Trubisky kind of like. <laughs> runs out of bounds a few yards short of the first down or maybe he thought he had it but he wasn't that close and it's just so it was so bears you know whims the play before he drops it in the end zone makes a tremendous catch the toe drag if you would you know on the sideline but again it's bears boom you know drops it but they had a couple things go against them too i mean that in the, i think it was the second in the second quarter uh Komet, makes the catch or whatever, Jenkins kind of talking trash to him, and he kind of gently tosses the ball, and it looks like it goes right to the official. They call him for unsportsmanlike, so no way are they recovering from a 15-yard penalty in, in the red zone. So, yeah, they had their chances. You were probably on the right side on that in that game, the way it played out, but they just couldn't score. And I think New Orleans' like time of possession was like 5-1 to one in the second half. I mean, it was just, just ridiculous. They had the ball like forever. They only scored 21, but they kept the ball away from Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad, but anyway, it worked out for them. At uh, whatever, 21-9 to 9 it ends up, and I guess if you had the favor in that one, you, you feel good. You and I are surprised that the Bears are, it looks like they're not going to fire their head coach or GM. Are you surprised that the Philadelphia Eagles decided to uh, pull the plug on Doug Peterson? Not really. I mean, the way the way it, the whole thing is kind of laid out, it seems like Peterson was not on the same page with these guys. One of the quotes that came out after he got fired was like, you know, I'm sick of people telling me what to do. So I don't know if that's just sour grapes. I don't know if he's just, you know, putting it out there that it really wasn't him making these decisions. But if you look at uh, Lurie, since they fired Reed, it seems like he's going all Jerry, not all Jerry Jones, but he's kind of, and we talked about this a little bit with Zach, when Zach Berman was on, the Eagles beat writer. Where is he? Where's the, the ego in this is seem, seeming to just really protrude now because 
you know, they went from Reed to who'd they hire next? Was it Chip Kelly? Yeah, it was Chip okay. Kelly. Okay. So again, you know, kind of being well, we, he's smarter than everybody else. You know, we're gonna we're gonna bring him in and do this, and that fizzled pretty quickly. I just get the sense that he's taken a much larger role in some of the football decisions, and it's just not working like it is in Dallas. I mean, who puts that? They won a Super Bowl. I mean, before you know the parade was over, it seemed like they put up a statue of the coach and Nick Foles. Typically, I mean, I don't know. Statues usually come well after the fact, years later, kind of bring back the hero, do an unveiling. But it was like, hey, look at us. You know, we're we're this great team now, and they they went on a magical run. And God bless them. But a lot of those players are gone. Frank Reich is gone. I don't know that uh, it's really a front office that's functioning hand in glove, so to speak. No, it really didn't. It really didn't surprise me. This is just going to be great theater watching who they bring in and and what what he decides now. I I have no idea. I actually think that Doug Peterson was probably talking about Howie Roseman and not Jeffrey Lurie. I think Roseman is the one the problem in Philly. And ever since Andy Reid left, I mean, this guy's kind of calling the shots. And he said, all right, thank you, Doug. You won a Super Bowl for us. Now we'll go find somebody else. I'm just curious. You mentioned, I mean, what happens in Philly? I guess they need to bring in an offensive coach, right? The usual names, Biennemi, Dable, Arthur Smith, right? It's always the same names. I was surprised that Joe Brady is being mentioned for this job. I just think it's a, a bit too early. He'll probably get a job sooner than later, but I just thought he had some problems calling the plays as an offensive coordinator with the Carolina Panthers. I just don't think he's ready to be the, the head man. I'll give you a guy that I would sign off on. I would take Lincoln Riley. He's never been a head coach in the NFL, but it's the new fad taking a college coach and making him a head coach in the NFL. Riley is a quarterback whisperer at Oklahoma. Any quarterback that he gets his hands on, he turns them into magic. He's done it with a number of guys. He did it with Jalen Hurts. That's probably the connection there. He's done it with Spencer Rattler this year. I mean, the freshman had some growing pains in the beginning of the season and then just went on a streak. I would just throw the money at Lincoln Riley and... Hopefully, he'll either develop Hurts or Carson Wentz. I would open up that competition during training camp and let the best man win. And with Peterson now gone, it's almost like a foregone conclusion that Wentz is going to stay. If you read anything into what Lurie was saying, it really sounded like they're still wholeheartedly behind Wentz. And, you know, financially, and we've talked about this, that it's, you know, it may be difficult, not impossible to move him. Uh, they'd have to swallow a, a little bit of uh, a cap hit, not so much the cash, but the cap hit for a while. But uh, if they really, really felt like they needed to move on from him, they would. I don't know. I mean, I'm just getting this almost like a Jerry Jones vibe from from Lurie. Like he's really stepping out in front of everything and he wants to be he just wants to be front and center and he wants his name out there and I just don't think it's I don't think it's working for him and it hasn't worked for Jerry Jones in quite quite some time. You know, our guy down in, in Washington, the football team, you know, despite 
you know, all this crap, you know, Ron Rivera is able able to uh, get his way, so to speak. So maybe he's relenting a little bit and seeing, hey, we need a total culture change. Maybe that's what has to happen in Philadelphia. But typically the owner has to sign off and say, okay, this is this is your your baby. You got to run with it. You make the football decisions. You know, I get the final say, whatever. But hey, it just seems like Lurie's really overstepping. Again, he owns a team. He can do whatever the hell he wants. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think you have to let the football people make the football decisions. And we're, we're seeing some of this play out in Houston. I don't think it's an ego thing. I think it's just an ignorance thing as far as that ownership. You know, Mr. McNair passes away. God rest his soul. I don't know that he was running it much different than his son, but... Uh, that's just a, another mess. This whole thing, you know, Deshaun Watson being traded or he wants out. That's a really ugly situation down there. That's not happening. No, I mean, but the fact that he want in. the fact that he wants out or there's even an inkling that he wants out is not good for anyone. That's what people are assuming. That doesn't mean that Deshaun Watson wants out. I mean, those are the stories being floated out there on radio, on television, on Twitter, on the internet. People are just running with it. What it would take to to trade for Deshaun Watson. Look, if you're the Houston Texans, you found your franchise quarterback for the next 10 or 12 years. Picking a quarterback in the draft, it's still a crapshoot. It's still a crapshoot. You found your guy. Stick with him. You've got Nick Casario coming in. You've got to sit down with the ownership, with the GM, and you've got to calm the situation down. There's no way, even if you think you're speculating, maybe we can trade him to the Dolphins for a couple of first-round picks and get Tua, or maybe trade with the Jets for that number two pick. Do you understand that it's going to take like three first-round picks? This isn't like Bill O'Brien giving away DeAndre Hopkins for a second-round pick. This is the Patriots' way. They're going to play hardball. And I don't think Deshaun Watson can do anything in this situation. And who said that he's unsatisfied? I mean, those are just the rumors being floated out there. We haven't heard that from Deshaun. Some well, I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to say it out loud. But I think you you certainly get the idea with some of the, some of the like cryptic tweets that he sent out. Like some things never change. They traded away DeAndre Hopkins. Evidently, they told him not that he would hire the next coach, but he would have some input. Again, this, as the story goes, he's good friends with, uh, with with Mahomes. Mahomes signs off on EB. He said, well, hey, why don't we at least talk to this guy? They don't invite him in until now. Because of the date, the late date, they can't even talk. I don't think they can even, they can't hire him until their season is over. And if things go the way we think they might go, that might be a few weeks down the road. Again, now it's like, you know, they're doing it just to to appease the kid. No, you will never, ever get fair value for trading a superstar in their prime. It's just, it, we've seen it in the past where it's happened. team that has the superstar never gets fair value. It's almost impossible. It's just an ugly, messy situation. A trade is almost impossible to happen unless Houston really gives in a little bit because you know the guy's disgruntled, so teams aren't going to offer as much, right? But they have no draft capital. They've traded away. They've gotten rid of some of their best players. Where are they going? Watson's got to be like, what are we doing here? 
I mean, walking off the field, he's apologizing to J.J. Watt for wasting one of his years. You think Watt wants to stick around for a, for another rebuild? It's just a really ugly situation, and I think it would be make sense that maybe one of these maybe more mature coaches with a calm, steady hand. We talked about Marvin Lewis. Jim Caldwell's out there. Got somebody like that that was going to have, but the ownership and front office is going to have to have some patience because again, they Miami has their their draft pick is they would be drafting number three. They get, it's 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 really ugly. If I was in that place, Marvin Lewis, Jim Caldwell, somebody you know in that ilk would would probably be the way to go, and then hope that he can calm his young star down and just kind of hey, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're doing, and have a plan that Deshaun can buy into and say, okay, I get it, I'm in. That that's that's the way it probably needs to go. Let's talk about the early uh, Saturday game that, that's going to happen in the afternoon. It's uh, the Rams versus the Packers. Uh, Bavada has Green Bay minus seven at home in Lambeau Field. Man, that was a surprise to me that the Rams beat the Seahawks. I, I realize that you and I talked to death about how the Seahawks have struggled offensively and now they've let their offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer go after three seasons they're looking for a new man but I thought Russell Wilson was going to pull it off I mean I guess the Seahawks should thank Jamal Adams for injuring John Walford so that (laughs) I, I think that should be that should be something that they should think about because knocking off a, a guy that probably wasn't gonna take the Rams anywhere that inserted Jared Goff in and I guess that instilled some confidence in the Rams team a little bit more they had that confidence on defense and Goff didn't light it up his injury still bothered him and it will bother him again against Green Bay and I'm sure he's going to start now that just caught me by surprise that the Rams were able to take care of business against the Seahawks well, they've kind of had their number, it seems like, or the games are typically close with Seattle's offense kind of sputtering and the Rams' defense just kind of getting stronger. I guess the play that like typified the game or just the way things are going for both teams was when on a previous series, the, you saw DK Metcalf going off the field and just in total frustration. That's a, more of a Jalen Ramsey thing than it is a DK thing. But he's like, you know, tossing his helmet. They got to calm him down on the sidelines. So immediately when they get the ball back, it's like, okay, we got to get DK the ball. And they like try to throw a bubble screen. And the corner saw it the whole way. Somehow he fought through the picks and picked it off and goes for a touchdown. And it was like you knew the game was over right there. You don't, I guess because there's plenty of time, sure, anything could happen, but just the sense that you got was Jalen Ramsey is in his head. So their their offense is sputtering enough as it is. Now you take DK Metcalf kind of out of the equation because Ramsey's got him so messed up in the head that is like, wow, as long as Goff or Wolford doesn't completely screw this up, we're going to win. What surprised me, Lou, was the Los Angeles Rams were able to run all over the Seahawks defense. Yeah. I mean, it was Cam Akers. It wasn't about the quarterback. The quarterback No, struggled. not at all. They right? were there just to take the snap. 
<laughs> really? Cam Akers just carried the day and carried them to this win. And the Seahawks offense struggled on third down, and they turned the ball over three times, which is uncharacteristic of a Russell Wilson team. That's what it came down to, and I agree with you. I mean, the, the game-changing pick in the first half. But I look at, like, Russell Wilson's numbers, and I look at what Seattle did. I mean, Seattle had 278 total yards, 11 first downs, and they didn't record a first down on 7 of 14 possessions. I mean, those numbers speak volume. I mean, those things are, that's incredible out there. Look, the Rams have a good defense, but it's still like Russell Wilson. DK Metcalf still had two touchdowns, right, in that game. But I do think that Jalen Ramsey took him out of the game uh, for, for the most part when it mattered the most. I, I look at this Los Angeles Rams team heading into Green Bay, into Lambeau Field. This team has already overachieved this year. This defense is going to continue to carry the day, but Aaron Donald is not going to be 100%. He's got a rib injury that he's dealing with. He is going to play. You know Jared Goff is not 100%, right? The matchup here is Jalen Ramsey versus Devontae Adams. I mean, this is the reason why the Rams traded for Jalen Ramsey and gave him that big contract. There's a wild stat out there. The Rams have allowed 17 passing touchdowns all season this year. Devontae Adams caught 18 touchdowns all by himself. So what do you think happens? I mean, will Ramsey have Devontae Adams' number as well? Well, you know how I feel about Devontae Adams as a wide receiver. I don't think there's any question you know, he's in the top three. I have him as the top, but you know, I mean, that's, that's debatable, right? But I still think he's, he's the best. The way Ramsey's playing... Off of play action, obviously Green Bay gets a lot of stuff off of their play action. I mean, these these offenses are fairly similar as far as what, what they try to do philosophically. Okay, philosophically, the, the offenses are supposedly the same, except for the fact that Green Bay has the unicorn at quarterback. They can do a lot more things than the Rams can. So that's a big difference. The line is seven. That, to me, in most cases... You'd say this automatically is a Green Bay no problem. They they are going to cover this spread. They're going to they're going to crush the Rams. The Rams can't score. But the way Ramsey is playing right now, the way that defense is playing, like you said, Donald does have the rib injury or some sort of torso problem. He's not a hundred percent, but I think he's going to be ready to go for the game. He may not be a hundred percent, but still, I'll take him at eighty percent over most guys. Hundred. I think I'm going to go with the Rams in this game. I don't know that they win, but I think it's going to be a fairly close game. Rodgers will make the plays where Goff will not. I'll take the Packers. Again, I don't learn my lesson from last week. I'll, I'll continue picking the favorites. I just, minus six would have been better, but minus seven is, is a good betting line for me. I just think Rodgers is the better quarterback. The Packers offense, nobody has been able to stop them all year long. They're at home. They're clicking. Yes, they're playing against a good defense. I do realize that. But it's hard to go against an MVP, and Aaron Rodgers is going to be the MVP. This is, this is his best season since that 2011 season when he became an MVP. So I don't think he's going to lay an egg here. The Packers had two weeks to prepare, and you know that they were studying both the Seahawks and the Rams. You mentioned that the offenses are similar, so they know what they're going to run. I think this is going to be a blowout. 
And I just don't think that the Rams have that magic left for another week. It really should be a blow. I mean, quite quite frankly, it's just it seems like some some games throughout the season. Again, the playoffs are different, but Green Bay tends to kind of come off the gas a little bit in the second half and lets teams hang around. But again, I mean, Ramsey that defense. Yeah, I maybe it's wishful thinking, but I think I'm sticking with the Rams. All right, let's go on to the next game. the The next game Saturday evening, it's uh, the Bills versus the Ravens. Correct. Yep, absolutely. Baltimore at Buffalo. Buffalo, again, according to Bovada, is minus two and a half. Two and a half. They're the home team. They're the number, whatever. They're the two seed. And they're only giving two and a half points at home. That doesn't sound right at all to me. So I think you know which way I'm going to lean on this one. Both quarterbacks got their, got their first playoff wins last week. And Josh Allen had a great game. But again, in crunch time, he almost pulled another Josh Allen. They had the ball near mid... It was probably around the plus 35 or between 35 and 40. And he takes a sack. But not only just takes a sack, tries to get out of it, goes back even further, loses like 20-some yards, fumbles the ball. My God, if if the Colts recover that, we're probably having a different conversation right now. Yes, he's had a great year. Yes, he's completely improved. And I think he's got a tremendous future, as does Lamar Jackson. But just looking at that number, the way it is, and the way the two teams played, and the team that's playing better defensively, again, I think I'm going to have to go with the underdog here and take uh, Baltimore with a two and a half. These are two of the hottest teams in the NFL, all right, going into the playoffs. They've really caught fire. And there's probably no one hotter than the Buffalo Bills here. But for me, that that Bills-Colts game, it was the end of the first half that changed the complexion of that contest. The Colts were knocking down the doorstep late in the second quarter. It was 10-7. Indy had four plays inside that four-yard line. Ridiculous. on On fourth down, Frank Reich decided to go for it. Rivers threw a pretty good ball. Pittman wasn't able to come down with it. Instead of a 17-7, it was a 13-7 deficit because Buffalo got its chance to flip the script, go downfield, and and score. That was the difference because the Colts actually played well. I knew they would, right? I mean, this is a a tough team that plays good defense and can run the football. And Rivers didn't make those mistakes that he usually makes that I thought he would. I'll also go with the Ravens. Look, they have a great run defense. Uh, the Bills have great receivers, but the Ravens' corners are no slouches at all. With Marcus Peters, with Humphrey, I think they can match up. And in the playoffs, Lou, in the fourth quarter, you still have to control the ball with your running game. In the fourth quarter, and Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins can do that. They can wear you down. And I think the Bills are vulnerable when it comes to their run defense. They've got a great secondary, but I think up front, you can you can blow them off the ball and, and get some of that running game going. I think that's going to be the, the formula for the Ravens. They're going to be able to control the clock. I'm going to go with the number five seed. I think the Ravens pull off the upset and move on to the AFC Championship game, something they weren't able to do last year. Yeah, and honestly, I don't know that it's really that much of an upset. I, I mean, typically, as a home team, it's 
automatically, I mean, unless it's you know, a regular season game and it's like we're a really bad team against a really good team, usually the home team's at least a three-point favorite. No question. I mean, it's like at least three. This line should be much, much higher if Buffalo is really as good as we we think they are, the way they've looked. But like you said, I mean, the Colts, I mean, a couple plays, that whole sequence, the third and gold, you know, outside pitch, you know, that that, that call was kind of head-scratching. And then the the time management, like in the second half, they they gave away a timeout, one timeout to save a delay a game, then a, a challenge that had no chance. So they take their last timeout at two thirty eight. Geez, at the end of the game, they could have used one or two of those timeouts because Rivers wasn't really hitting anything deep. They were they were close to field goal range. They they barely got by. As hot as they've been, they could have almost should have lost that game. And I get, and then one thing that I had written down was that the tight ends for uh, the Colts were really a problem for the Bills. So I'm looking at Andrews like he might have a field day, uh, giving Lamar some, some nice between-the-hashes throws. So I just think uh, Baltimore's the better team here. I just hope Marquise Brown doesn't drop some of those balls like Javon Williams did. <laughs> he can, by the way. I mean, he's he's up he's and sh- down. Some- yeah, but he's been, actually quietly had a nice second half of the season. Not a lot of volume, but he's scored some touchdowns. He's made some plays. So nothing like, I, I think, what, what I was expecting from him. Uh, I, I was expecting him to have a big jump this year, but he, I kind of wrote him off halfway through the season, and that's maybe my fantasy team talking. But he did have a nice back end of the year. Yeah, they typically don't throw a lot to the wide receivers anyway, so it, it's hard for him to really get in a rhythm. But how about Sunday. Sunday, yeah, let, let's do that. Let, let's start with the AFC. Let's start with the, the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Browns. Uh, according to Bavada, they've got the Kansas City Chiefs minus 10. Wow. <laughs> Talk about it. Look, I want to focus on the Browns, I guess, before we get to that line, we get to our picks. The Browns jumped out to, an, to a 28-0 lead in the first quarter in a playoff game. Obviously, when you do that, it's very tough to come back from that. I'm talking about the Steelers, unless you've got Frank Reich or Andrew Luck as your quarterback. The Browns have been a great story, but Vegas is just not giving him any respect. And this is all with Stefanski missing the game. Van Pelt was just, he had the Steelers' numbers. But I guess this is what happens when you uh, you botch a snap right in the beginning of the game. You throw a pick. I mean, the Steelers really got in hot water. It seemed like they believed they were just going to roll over these brownies, but they definitely came to play, and everything clicked for the Cleveland Browns against the Steelers. Can they do it again against the Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, if history tells us anything, I mean, last year, three playoff games, the Chiefs did not start well in any of them, right? I mean, they got down 24-zip to... uh, to Houston, they were they were behind through like a quarter and a half against Tennessee before they started making some plays, and then the Super Bowl they had to get out of the water, hot water in that one late in the game. So I mean I hope it does. The fan in me is is saying I hope they don't start off like that. I mean the Browns Steelers game. I mean it was like they couldn't have scripted it any better than that because immediately you had you took out. The fact that, that Baker did not really have to make 
I mean, hardly any plays. And the throw, he just had to, you know, make a few throws. The field position was was leaned their way almost the whole game, it seemed like. They really didn't have any long, long drives. And the ones they did, you know, chew up the clock and so forth. Chubb, you know, doing his thing and so forth. But the Steelers really looked completely unprepared and you, you start looking at you know at, at Tomlin now and you hate to be critical of a guy that's you know won Super Bowls has been there you know done a great job one but it's Super Bowl one Super Bowl they did win a Super Bowl so that was just one I don't know I mean it just seems like the team is really spiraled lately I mean they, yeah they got off to what 11 and 0 and whatever and I don't know if anybody really believed they were going to run the table but you didn't think that it was going to spiral out of control like this where they lose five in their last six you know they they get crushed I mean the week before they played much better with their backups in Cleveland and then these guys come in and this is what you get and then in the second half I think where were they down like 12 and they were on Cleveland's side of the field. And you figure, even under normal circumstances, fourth and two or four, whatever it was, sure, let's go for it. And they punted. Now, again, <laughs> he knows his players better than me. I, I'm not, not a coach. Just knowing him and his mentality, that was like almost an automatic, we're going for it. We're, we're going to go down. We're going to score. We're going to make this a game. And they punted it away. So, I mean, just little things. He sounds like a great dude. I mean, he's great on in those Zoom calls and those, those press conferences. I think he'll be great on TV if he ever decides to go that way. But yeah, I think that game was more a function of Pittsburgh being completely unprepared. So, again, I'm going to look at this number, the Browns. According to Bovada, are plus three thousand to win the Super Bowl. So, yeah, as far as that respect goes, I don't know that it's really there. Kansas City minus ten—that scares me to death. I don't like picking honor against the Chiefs. I'm not. So I'm not, I won't bail. This is. There's only four games this week. I'm gonna bite the bullet and I'm just gonna take the Chiefs minus ten because I just don't see the Browns having that sort of game or the Chiefs being that unprepared. Reed coming off a bye. These guys haven't played in a few weeks, so there's going to be some rust. It may not look pretty early, but I think as the game goes on, the cream will rise. And again, theoretically, but I'm going to go with the Chiefs minus 10. I'll take the Browns just because minus 10 is just too hard to swallow for me. I was I was trying to to go with all the favorites last week. I'm changing up my tune a little bit. Since I said that the Green Bay Packers were going to run away with it, they were going to have that blowout. I think this game is going to be closer. It's it's going to be within a touchdown and I do think the Browns will be able to run the football on the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think they're going to put the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands and say Baker, you're going to throw the ball 68 times like Big Ben did against us, you know, Cleveland Browns. You think they I, I think let Van Pelt call the plays this week? They will. I think they should. And I do think they should focus on the running game. You've got a great running game. You've got a good offensive line. You punch the Chiefs in the mouth. The Chiefs cannot stop the run. Do not try to outthink it. Everybody knows you're going to run. You're going to run. You've got Nick Chubb. You've got Kareem Hunt. This is your advantage. You've got to keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. Like, this isn't going to be a 50-40 to game, and you shouldn't be able to try to do that. 
You scored a bunch of points against the Steelers. You've got to keep this game close, and you got to keep that offense away from the field. Do not try to be like most coaches try to be. We're going to throw the ball a lot. Everybody knows we're going to run, so we're going to throw. This isn't the time to play that game against the Kansas City Chiefs because you're going to get blown out. Run it's not, it's not Texas Tech and Oklahoma. Run the football. <laughs> this is the NFL playoffs. Okay, this is the NFL playoffs. Stefanski wants to run the football. He wants to establish it because this is the only way you can beat the Kansas City Chiefs. If you control the damn clock and give Patrick Mahomes 20 minutes on offense instead of, you know, 35. Run the damn football in the NFL playoffs. This isn't the Big 12. I am taking the Browns. I think it's going to be a much closer game than you're giving it credit for Last game on the agenda. These teams have already met twice this year. This Round is third, three. This is, a, this is another rematch. You know, we've got the Saints versus the Bucks, right? The Saints three, versus three times a Brady. Well, according to Bavada, New Orleans is minus three at home again. Just I don't. It just sounds low. I know the Saints are at home, but I'm not impressed with the Saints' offense. It's just not clicking right now. It didn't click against the Bears. I think the Bucs are going to be able to, to get to Brace. I think they're going to be able to force some pressure. Todd Bowles is going to be smart with it. He'll take some chances. He'll get some blitzes. They'll force some turnovers. Brady has got revenge on his mind. When Brady loses two games to the New Orleans Saints, the first game, it was on opening weekend, and then the, the other game, they just blew them out of the water. Wow, that, that was, was ugly. A, that was embarrassing. It really was. You know, you know they've got bulletin material in their locker room out there. Just their their focus is on the Saints. There's no way a team can beat another good team three times in one season. So just based on that thinking, knowing that for the Bucks, the season starts now. It's in the playoffs. I'm gonna go with Brady and the Bucks. I'm I'm taking the dog in this. They're going to beat the Saints. Another number five seed is going to advance. Well, wow. I think we may be in agreement here. Here's the thing. You can't really, I don't know that you can really take much from this game that New Orleans played against Chicago. And I don't want to say that they're looking ahead because that's kind of an impossible thing to do in the playoffs. But it seems like New Orleans gets in the playoffs and just finds ways to kind of contract rather than kind of expand their offense, right? I don't know that they're really built for that. Devin White gets back for Tampa Bay. Brady just looks really, really, wow. I mean, the ball's just popping out of his hands. He looks like he's back in like early 30s or maybe even you know, late 20s. You know, Washington has a damn good defense. I don't know that they, they really laid a glove on him, which you would have thought that, under those circumstances, I thought they would have won that game much larger just because of the fact I thought the pass rush was going to bother them and that would keep the game close. Anyway, as far as this game is concerned, yeah, you're right. To, to lose the same team three times, playoff Tom is much different than regular season Tom. I, I get it. It didn't work last year in New England, but he's got weapons where coming out of his ears in this offense. And whether it's Fournette coming off the bench and picking it up 
Antonio Brown, you know, doesn't have to catch 20 balls, but, you know, he catches a couple and scores. You know, Mike Evans, that's the, you know, he's a little banged up, so we'll, let's see what happens there. But then you got Chris Godwin, you got Scotty Miller, you got Gronk, Brait. I mean, he's, there's so many different ways that he can go, and New Orleans just really hasn't shown that kind of killer put teams away. I mean, they should have crushed Chicago the way Chicago struggled on offense. Yes, Chicago has a great defense, but still, you know, they should have put up more points. And something is going to happen in this game that New Orleans will again look back and say, geez, I wish we could have done this. I wish we could have done that. And they're going to end up at home again uh, for for the Super Bowl and the championship game, whatever you want to say. But I, I'm going to go with the Bucks. I'm going to take the three points and say thank you very much. So we're in agreement this week a lot on two more games. than we were last week. On two games. I didn't look at the history of it, but it seems like the divisional round usually is more favorites where the opening is the dogs. But I don't know. A couple of these, are they really dogs? I mean, Tampa Bay in New Orleans, you got no crowd. There's not no real home field advantage. Now, Buffalo, it may snow. I live near, you know, pretty close to there. I'm within whatever, hundred miles. And we're looking for some snow, maybe Friday, some on Saturday. Lamar's never played in snow. I don't know if that's going to make a difference, but the way they play, it's not like he's going to be throwing the ball a lot anyway. And I think Buffalo's going to, I think they're letting like six or 7,000 people in that stadium. I don't know if that's going to make a difference. I mean, I'm sure it'll help the Bills seeing some fans, but just the way they played last week, they were extremely fortunate to get out of that game they really were you know if you really watched it and look at some of the the calls where Reich was I don't know I mean a couple of them were questionable but anyway Baltimore just looks like the better team here and Tampa Bay as well just the way that they're playing so I don't know that those are really dogs but we'll take the points sure you want to give them to us sure we'll take them but it's just interesting. We're still going against, you know, the the Bills. You know, we're going against the Saints. They didn't play well during the wild card round. That makes you think that those teams will be prepared and firing on all cylinders during the divisional round. Usually that's what happens. A team struggles, then it rebounds the next week because it didn't play well. Same thing for the Browns. Like, the Browns played well, right? That means the... They probably will lay an egg against the Kansas City So we're Chiefs. bucking the trends here. <laughs> we are. We are. We're saying they struggled last week. That means they're probably not, you know, clicking on all cylinders. Therefore, we'll, we'll take the other team. But we are playing a dangerous game because the Buffalo Bills are the hottest team in football. Yeah, you really can't deny the facts they've they've been playing well but but again i mean it's just it's a different season every matchup is different let's let's hope uh, we got some winners here for our fans you had mentioned schottenheimer resigning or being asked to resign whatever happened he's no longer the offensive coordinator there there's a couple of uh coordinator moves that were made during the week they were kind of interesting uh also with kind of a seattle flavor to them Dallas hires as their defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, and uh, the Raiders hired uh, Bradley as their defensive coordinator. So what do you make of those two moves? Well, Dan Quinn hasn't been a defensive coordinator since his Seattle days, but I don't think he'll do any worse than Mike Nolan did. 
His well, there's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> only one year during the Dallas Cowboys. It was They'll pretty go... bad. It was historically bad. Okay. Yeah, it was just the Dallas Cowboys had the worst defensive season in their history. And, you know, they're going to go back to uh, the, the defense that Seattle runs. And this is what the Cowboys ran before the switch to this defense that Mike Nolan uh, brought. So they've got the personnel. Bradley did some good things with the Chargers. I mean, uh, especially in the first year that he joined them, I thought they they led the league on defense in points allowed. So Bradley is, is a talented defensive coach. And the Raiders were bad, so they needed to make a change. I like the Bradley hiring because the Raiders are just, they were atrocious. This is the right move, Lou. Well, another one, I just, real briefly, Chuck Pagano retires. I mean, he's a great job, you know, with the Bears for this, you know, for this season and or a couple seasons, and here he's he's out. There's a, another opening. Again, these are more minor, but still, I mean, with that defense playing as well as it has, do they bring in another disciple? Do they go uh, the route the Rams did with Brandon Staley, another Vic uh, Fangio disciple? So, yeah, that should be interesting on, on that front, too. The head coach and GM keep their jobs, and uh, Pagano, quote-unquote, retires. So I just hope it's not health-related because he's come back from a lot. All right, gang, that is going to do it for this week. I failed to mention this is Lucky 13, Pros Like Us, number 13. Who'd have thought? And we record on the 13th. So let's hope we have good luck with those two 13s with our picks. As always, on the way out, gang, peace!